Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the podcast here. And thanks, as always, for joining me. And uh, yeah, we've got a lot of different news to cover today. We've got a lot of earnings coming out that is... uh, actually been really good news so far. And that has definitely been a pain point for the economy. And if we're going to hit a recession and, uh, you know, these earnings just kind of keep coming in and they keep looking strong. So, uh, yeah, we're going to cover that news. We're going to be looking at some bank earnings. We're going to be looking at uh, some consumer staples. Uh, We're going to be looking at what Biden just did with uh, student loan forgiveness. Uh, So there's a lot of different things that we're going to be covering on this episode. The market is rolling up really nicely. The NASDAQ was probably the the big winner on the week. We started the week down around 13.6 on the uh, the NASDAQ, and uh, we finished around 14.113. So uh, up, you know, what, 500 points, roughly 450. And that has been definitely nice to see um, in my portfolio anyhow. Uh, so if you are holding some of those big name tech stocks, they are definitely rallying. But uh, I think all stocks are really moving up nicely. We definitely had uh, some big movers in uh, some of those smaller cap names as well. And uh, those were definitely uh, putting up some big gains, gains for the week. Uh, one that we didn't really expect to, to see such a rebound on uh, was United Health. That one, uh, ticker UNH. Man, they uh, they really sandbagged us here, right? They they told us earlier, uh, maybe last week, that uh, costs were really going up for them. And if I look at a one month chart here on E Trade, um, I'm looking back around seven. Where are we? If I look back at uh, end of June, six twenty seven, we're at four eighty two. We got some of that bad news around July. 10th, I'm going to say, and maybe the 9th, 7th to the, the 9th, roughly. And we we went down to about 460, right? And I was looking to add on this one there uh, for the standpoint that they were saying costs were going up as more people were trying to get in on their elective surgeries that they put off from the pandemic. Costs were rising for that. Uh, healthcare was getting more and more expensive on their end. Uh, so ultimately, these uh, these share prices started falling, which, uh, which made sense. But uh, I saw that as a short-term blip. Uh, kind of not a long-term pain point that they weren't going to be able to navigate. Uh, so I was saying that I was looking to buy some. I think I bought around 465. The next episode, it was down to 460. I said, hey, I probably need to buy some more of this thing. And uh, man, the, the days got away from me, but ended up on uh, the 13th, dropping down to 440 uh, on the uh, actually, on the 14th of June, it was at 4:45. But uh, on the 13th of July, we were down to 4:47, and I should have been buying at that point. That's probably where the perfect bottom would have been, uh, right before earnings. A lot of people don't like to buy right before earnings. Apparently, a lot of people sold on this, uh, you know, sell before the bad news comes out. But uh, the earnings came out, and it was actually really solid, and they guided higher. Uh, so I definitely feel like it was kind of a sandbag move to, um, you know, go ahead and kind of scare some people out. Eventually, everyone kind of came rushing back in. We were up $32 on Friday, uh, which is about seven and a quarter percent. So massive moves for United Health. Definitely one that I have been in for quite a long time. Uh, I really have not added to this one much other than uh, that buy that I did probably earlier this past week. But uh, still, uh, one that is a, a relatively decent PE at uh, 20 times. Beta is low at a 0.4. You're getting about 1.7% starting dividend right now. Uh, but definitely a stock that I would like to add to, like to have more shares of. It's just got to make sense, right? So when we do see these blips on some of these uh, high quality names that we think are going to do well long term, uh, I think we really got to move fast uh, before things really get uh, ahead of ourselves, right? I, I would have rather bought at uh, 445 than 480. That just made a better sense to me, a little bit more starting yield, uh, a little bit more upside for sure. And I never thought that this one is going to go, uh, you know, cutting down 30%. I just don't see it on a name like United Health. It is definitely a high quality, strong operator, uh, you know, still from this point, about 19.5% of upside, even after a $32 run in one day. 
we've still got about 19% of upside, uh, which truthfully is around $100 higher from where we're sitting at 480. That average price target from 17 analysts is sitting at 574. So uh, what, $94 higher from here. And man, I definitely think that we can uh, see these numbers you know, in, in a year, uh, you know, let some of these things kind of cool back down, have some of these uh, elective surgeries slow back down and, and get some of the costs under control. Uh, and then they're going to probably up their rates and, you know, be making more money. So I'm definitely a long-term believer in a lot of these healthcare names, uh, you know, the tried and true blue chip type names. I, I think that is a good way to play the market, at least have some of it in your portfolio. Uh, but yeah, we've got uh, Morgan Stanley coming out on Friday saying, "Hey, 587." Bank of America said 650. Uh, Wells Fargo said 561. So we've definitely got some price targets higher than here. UBS a hold at 510. But uh, even still, uh, Jeffrey's a hold at 523. I still think we have a good amount of upside, even at these uh, these targets that are saying hold. Uh, the the earnings look strong. The the guidance higher was definitely. Nice to see that one certainly made this one move higher. And, um, you know, really just some of that fear that we were trying to get out of really, uh, you know, getting brushed away after after earnings. We got a lot of good news. So uh, I'm still a long term believer in United Health, and uh, we might have missed the window this time, but I will certainly keep an eye on it for for other drops that we can potentially take advantage of. And, you know, we might even come out Monday morning. And this one could give some of this $32 gain back, right? We could be back down around 460. And I still think, hey, that's probably around that area where I think this could be purchased and uh, really kind of tuck it away for long-term gains. Uh, I think it's one you can you know, buy and sleep pretty easy at night knowing that you have a, a high-quality health insurance play uh, it, in that healthcare space. I, I think it's a safe stock to, uh, to add to my portfolio anyhow. But um, yeah, we had a lot of bank earnings, right? That was definitely a uh, talk of the town. Uh, on Wednesday, when we did that last episode, I was looking at these banks to say, uh, you know, JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, City came out, BlackRock came out, and all of them beat. Every one of them beat. You know, we had a lot of problems in the banking sector in the past couple of months here, and we were really worried about what was going to happen when earnings actually came out. Uh, you know, the banks, the, the 23 major lenders passed that stress test earlier this month, which, uh, you know, kind of gave a little bit of, uh, you know, I, I guess uh, I'm, I'm losing losing my words. But we, we had a little bit of a, a mindset shift, I guess I'll call it, where we, we've started to feel like we could go forward and believe in these names again and uh, just really kind of, you know, make that path forward with some banking names that we were really uncertain of. Uh, when you know SVB and everything else started falling back, uh, you know earlier this uh, this spring, but um, so JP Morgan, let's get back on track here. That was uh, that was painful trying to come up with words. Uh, JP Morgan here. Yeah, we're sitting at one forty nine seventy seven. We moved up a little bit on Friday. Nothing uh, nothing too crazy, but um, we did see a bit of a rally here uh, over some of these banking names. And uh, I'm definitely thinking long term, these are going to be in a in a sweet spot to where, you know, some of them really haven't rallied yet. I mean, JP Morgan sitting at a year high, but uh, some of the other names that are here have not really trended higher with them. Uh, Citibank is certainly one that uh, has kind of followed that. They they did outperform as well, but not not as great as JP Morgan. JP Morgan's uh, adjusted EPS, $4.75. Beat expectations of $3.80. So that's a pretty massive beat. Revenue, $41.3 billion, beating expectations of $38.8 billion. Uh, that did include a $1.8 billion after-tax gain on its acquisition of First Republic. So a little bit of an asterisk there as to why their earnings uh, were higher. Uh, BlackRock, EPS was uh, $9.28. Beat expectations of $8.42. So another massive beat. Uh, revenue came in line with uh, expectations, but uh, they were able to make more of that earnings show up on that bottom line. So that's definitely nice to see for BlackRock. Uh, we've got, uh, where was City? City was a EPS of $1.33, beating expectations of $1.30. So a, a smaller margin of uh, of beat there, but uh, revenue of $19.4 beating expectations of $19.3 as well. So still another beat. 
compared to a lot of the uh you know the forecasting that we were seeing where everyone was thinking this banking thing was just going to be a major pain point we were talking last year how we weren't going to be able to outdo comparables from the year before and you know same thing this year right everyone thought hey we there's no way we're going to be continue to beat these numbers that we set that were just insane numbers in 21 and uh you know somehow we kind of keep moving up um it's definitely crazy to see and really take all this into consideration, but there is just more money out there, uh, kind of case in point. So more people with more money, consumers still strong. The banks are obviously bringing in more money and making more on lending with higher interest rates. Uh, that's definitely been a factor for a lot of these banks that they were able to uh, you know, make more on that lending side as uh, the Fed funds rate has climbed up after you know 10 rate hikes in the past, uh, what, 12 months, I believe it is. 14 months, something like that. It definitely helpful for the banking institutions. We saw that uh, last year. I, I said that early. And then we had a lot of different banking problems to where it didn't really seem like people were going to be, you know, lending as much. You know, money was kind of tight. And then, you know, the floodgates kind of opened back up and, and we're still doing lending. You know, the, the consumer, like I said, is still strong. Housing market is still strong. There's not enough inventory for the people that are looking even with uh, interest rates going up above 7%, there's still a lot of demand for housing out there. So uh, I think a lot of that interest rate, people are getting used to seeing that those 7% uh, handles in front of that interest. And uh, people are getting used to it now, right? Uh, the, the 2%, 3% numbers are long gone. Uh, if we could get back to, you know, in that four or five range, I definitely think long-term that is going to spur so much uh, spending and growth. But uh, people seem to be comfortable with these 7% uh, handles right now. And going forward, uh, man, I, I don't know how much more they're going to climb. We might get another two, per, uh, two rate hikes. Uh, eventually, we're going to start cutting them maybe into the, the spring of next year or winter 23, 24. And uh, ultimately, I still think that is going to uh, spur more activity. And I think still housing is going to be tight. So there's still a lot of things out there that uh, are unknowns, but I think overall, the economy is still very strong. Uh, some of these numbers are making it really seem like what recession, you know, what hard landing. Uh, this is kind of going exactly how we want, right? There's uh, a lot of different things that are falling in place to say that uh, this rally could continue, right? Uh, some of them don't make sense, right? NVIDIA, for example, having uh, you know this 200 times PE or 238.9 times PE can we ever really get to that valuation? Even with AI chips and everything coming out, I think we're going to be four or five years before this number really makes sense. Um, but that doesn't mean that these numbers can't remain elevated, right? We've got uh, a lot of people betting on this technology, AI and, and all the chip space that uh, NVIDIA is, is kind of coming up with. And it, you know the, the market doesn't have to react rationally uh, all the time. It, it just it won't. Uh, so this could be remaining this high until something catastrophic kind of falls out. This doesn't have to, you know, come back down back to reality in the next three months. This could really be a, a, the next three years that AI is uh, driving NVIDIA numbers higher. And I don't think we've we haven't fully seen everything that the AI is going to do. And I still think that NVIDIA is a great company. A lot of these chip stocks are great names. But uh, some of them are just getting to the point where they're a little bit too overvalued for me. That's why I, I took some NVIDIA off the table. Um, you know, I'm looking at Broadcom. That one makes a lot more sense at a PE of a 27 uh, times multiple. 2% uh, dividend, quite a bit more than uh, NVIDIA's 0.03% of a, of a dividend. But uh, Broadcom has certainly had a, a substantial run as well. You know, we were at 415 uh, last October, we're sitting at 888 right now. So, uh, what 460 some dollars higher with, uh, you know, eight months, nine months. And, and that's pretty massive when it comes to, uh, just buying a stock and entering at the right time frame and, uh, making that kind of massive gains in that short period. So I think we've certainly got to think about, uh, you know, how long is this cycle going to last? How much is this euphoria going to be in these names? And really, do you want to own this one long term? Or is there something else you could be doing with uh, some of the money out of some of these chip names 
that uh, might make more sense to your portfolio. I'm not saying that these are bad names. I'm saying that this money could certainly shrink back down with someone saying, hey, you know, the the chips, it's, it's overblown. We might get a, a couple of uh, analysts saying that uh, these things have really gotten way too ahead of themselves. You know, anything could happen, really. So I'm I'm thinking when you start seeing some of these 100%, 180% gains within a year, we, we've got to have a plan for that. And uh, I think personally, Broadcom doesn't really bother me in the sense of the uh, the multiple. NVIDIA being at that 230 sometimes multiple, that is definitely getting to the point where I can't see it really rallying higher it may uh it, it certainly could right i could certainly see long term this thing getting into that 600 price point but right now uh and, and you know i say this we were at 438 on wednesday and i think we rallied to 480 by friday uh so i i could completely be wrong on this one but for me I cannot continue to say, "Hey, this is a screaming buy." I don't, I don't see the the real case for this thing to keep running, other than AI, right? But the the multiples and the the valuation on it just does not make sense as to where it is in the cycle, and uh, I definitely think that something has to give. And uh, man, especially with uh, the the Nasdaq rebalance, a couple different things going. It's just hard to think that this one is going to continue to run this much. I mean, it's done it before. Tesla's done it before. But at the end of the day, I, I want to see people have a balanced portfolio. And if you've had a 180% run in a name, I got to think that it's it should be about time to take some off the table and maybe reinvest that money into something that has a good amount of upside, a lot of safety and uh, just rebalance your portfolio. I, I still am long. It's still probably my number one name at this given point in time. But uh, like I said, I did go ahead and do some trimming. And I can't argue the fact that, uh, you know, can't argue that that it doesn't make sense to at least look at that option in your portfolio as well. So that's my two cents there. Um, what else do we not cover? We've got uh, Delta Airlines. They came out and they beat as well. Uh, let me try to get back to that story. Um, let me see here. We had some Pepsi news. We had some Disney news. Where's Delta? Here we go. EPS of uh, $2.68 beat expectations at $2.37. Uh, adjusted revenue of $14.6 billion beating expectations of $14.5. So definitely nice to see that some of the airlines are taking part in some of these wins as well. Again, the consumer is strong. So we're traveling. We're getting back out there. We're doing all the things that we wanted to do um you know during the pandemic that we just haven't done uh we've got um disney they did uh go ahead and uh decide to keep ceo bob Iger in his current role through 2026 uh so hopefully that gives a little bit more stability to disney i know this one has been a painful one for a lot of portfolios and uh hopefully they can get back on track and, and kind of I, I know they were talking about selling off some tv rights in order to, uh, you know, kind of get some some funds back in place and kind of pivot and and rebalance some of their money. So ultimately, we will see what happens there. We've got um, Pepsi earnings, and this makes sense after what we heard in the CPI report saying that packaged goods were still remarkably high. Uh, their EPS was two dollars and nine cents, beating expectations of a dollar ninety six. Uh, revenue twenty two point three billion, beating expectations of twenty one point seven billion. And their uh, their fiscal year organic revenue coming in at uh, plus ten percent over uh, year over year, above its previous guide of eight uh, percent year over year, and above analyst expectations of eight point one. So those numbers uh, definitely outperforming. Uh, let's actually take a look at Pepsi, what they did on that stock price uh, since, or maybe just on Friday, and see what they've got here. Oh man, yeah, we're we're definitely up there. Oh. It, oh 188 and uh, 21 cents. Um, the high was back on May 15th at 196. But um, I think this one has certainly shot up over the, the course of the, the month, eh, about $5. The, the chart looks a little bit larger than that. But uh, definitely big gains from uh, the second half of the week here and uh, moving up nicely on Pepsi. What kind of uh, guidance do we have? 
Uh, PE still a bit high at 32. About 7.78% of upside. Average price targets 202. Uh, so still one that I think uh, has a little bit of upside, a little bit of safety. But uh, that PE is getting a little bit of stretch for me. And ultimately one that I'm probably just going to leave alone in my portfolio and uh, just let it run. Uh, what else? We've got some some Tesla news. I think there was another earnings thing that I wanted to cover, though. Um, we'll, we'll go ahead with the Tesla news. We've got uh, Elon and Tesla are reportedly uh, discussing uh, an investment proposal with uh, with India. They're looking to set up a factory there that can produce about uh, 500,000 vehicles uh, in India. So we'll see where that one goes. That uh, I've heard a lot of people talking about India as the next big investment play. Uh, the fact that it could surpass uh, the U.S. as far as uh, GDP in the next 40, 50 years, and they're just going to kind of take over. And uh, certainly nice to see Tesla looking to expand there to to really fill out that need in that uh, in that space. So that is uh, definitely going to be uh, another move higher for uh, for Tesla and uh, Google. They announced a new updates to their AI chatbot Bard. Uh, and they're, one of them is the fact that they can upload an image and ask Bard for information about the image or ask it to make a caption based on the image. So they're uh, continually looking to upgrade their AI. And man, that is kind of still a, a hot topic right now. I still think that Google is a very uh, underperforming stock compared to some of the other names that are in the NASDAQ, uh, those big chip names or big tech names. And uh, one that I would continually look at uh, as a as a solid investment. They got more things coming in the pipeline. Uh, PE sitting at twenty seven on Google. You know, so effectively you're getting P, uh, Google at a lower PE than you were on Pepsi. So I definitely think that uh, Google is going to have more growth than Pepsi is. Uh, personal opinion, and uh, I would be very comfortable in buying this one uh, here. And I don't have a problem adding to this one right now, but. Uh, it says about 7.4% of upside. I still think that uh, this one has a, a long way to go uh, in the in its growth path here. So one that I would certainly look to uh, continually invest in. And uh, we did go ahead and add that one to our Let It Grow Investing portfolio on uh, week 28. So, uh, you know, like I said, one, one that I'm looking to actually add money to myself and uh you know kind of see about what the group thinks of some of these different names also but uh yeah before we hit a uh, quick break here i will cover the stocks of week 29 and um let's go ahead and go uh reverse order we'll go the the last one number we'll go number one first uh or number five as number one so adp was going to be uh, the first stock for week 29, automatic data processing. And uh, with some of the numbers coming out of uh, the Labor Department and uh, from ADP, we knew that uh, unemployment was going to be lower. There was more jobs added. Uh, I think we were looking for 240,000 and, and 400,000 got added. Uh, so I thought that you know ADP could be uh, a benefactor of those movements and ultimately have more people getting a paycheck and uh, ADP doing a lot of that paperwork, that back-end paperwork for those employees. So that was going to be uh, you know, one of the, the names that I thought could be a really good uh, pick for week 29. Uh, we did not vote on that one. Uh, that one did not win, but uh, I definitely like that, uh, that play and uh, something that we don't really have a lot of in, in our portfolio at this point. So um, number two, let's go with uh, Overstock. Uh, number two, uh, OSTK bought uh, the rights to the Bed Bath & Beyond name. So I thought this could be a, uh, a big movement, big catalyst for this one to move higher uh, from the standpoint that uh, they're looking to, you know, kind of reimagine them themselves, uh, get out of that mindset of, uh, you know, price liquidation type company and really look to get into more of a retail space, still have some great prices on their goods, but uh, really be known uh, by their name uh, for something other than just being a you know wholesaler liquidator of goods and, and move into another space that could have potentially some more margin and uh, you know take some of that bed bath and beyond name, move it into an online space and and really drive uh, some more business that way. So that was uh, number two. We did not vote for that one, but uh, I still think it's a a strong contender. Had probably I think the, the most amount of upside uh, of any five on this list for this week. Uh, number three, uh, Meta, Facebook. 
we were looking at this one because they uh, brought on the uh, the threads, the competitor to Twitter, and uh, they added 100 million users to this uh, platform in only four and a half days. So I definitely think that this one has uh, some upside. I think that uh, it really hasn't caught on. We don't know the uh, the revenue impact that this is going to bring to the Meta Platforms uh, company, but uh, I got to think that is going to certainly... Uh, be another way for them to advertise and, and get some more growth uh, from their platform. So that was number three. We did not vote on that one. Number four was going to be Carnival Cruise Line, CCL. Now, this one has already tripled this year, but uh, it seems like more people are getting back out and traveling. Like more people, I've made the uh, connection between United Health. More people are getting back out to do those elective surgeries. More people are getting back out to do the elective travel, right? We're all trying to do more things to make up for lost time. And uh, I definitely think that, uh, you know, Carnival Cruise Lines has a lot of that momentum uh, in the space right now. And uh, man, that that's definitely been a big factor in their stock price. Uh, I think potentially we probably could have got into this one earlier. It still is a name that I'm not completely convinced on. Uh, there's a lot of debt. There's a lot of hole that they're trying to climb out of. And uh, I think it's going to be a long road to get back to, uh, you know, Great operating capacities, really not having any problems on ships with people getting sick. Um, a, a lot of different fears that are out there around the cruise industry. And man, it, it's one that has certainly had the momentum behind the stock. And that is one of the reasons that we added it. Uh, one of our members on the Let It Grow Investing page, uh, Dave, said this was probably going to be a good one to look at probably a few months ago. And he was right. It uh, as a trade, it has been a great name uh, for those reasons. There's still a lot of reasons that I don't like it long term, but in the short term, this one is definitely uh, you know taking names. It's certainly been on a tear, uh, probably more so than Nvidia, and it's been quiet. Right, no one has really been raising a bunch of flags around Carnival Cruise Lines, but, you know, like Nvidia with AI. Man, we haven't heard a thing about it, but uh, they have certainly been. Uh, kicking butt and taking names. So uh, that one made it for some of the momentum that they've had in the past uh, year, roughly. And uh, the one that did win, uh, I did not see this one coming. And this one we bought uh, this time last year, and that name was Coca-Cola, small little company, uh, ticker KO, that uh, is Warren Buffett's number one pick, I believe. Uh, so he owns a massive amount of uh, Coca-Cola. So when we add this one, we're going to be getting about three... 0.05% dividend. Uh, PE sitting around 26.5, which uh, is definitely on the high end of what I would like to pay for a consumer you know, beverage, non-cyclical type name. But um, certainly a company that uh, I think we can buy, sleep well at night, have a, a good amount of uh, dividend, a little bit of upside potential, uh, well, about 15% upside potential. So we're sitting at $60.90 and the average price target is $70.19. So call it 10 bucks higher and uh, good amount of upside, decent amount of uh, dividend and uh, some stability. So that is certainly one that uh, I think is going to make sense to add to. And um, I'm glad you guys got over there to Let It Grow Investing on Facebook to vote for it. And uh, we're going to be uh, taking a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the stocks for week 30 and uh, what we're going to be looking at for this coming week. So stick around. I'll be right back. All right, guys, we are back. And I uh, wanted to say that if you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do so. Uh, so you don't miss any future episodes here with me. And uh, also, if you could go ahead and share the podcast, that would mean the world to me as well. Uh, for the investing challenge that we do weekly over here, uh, you can vote on those stocks on Let It Grow Investing on Facebook. And uh, that would be a, uh, a huge plus as well to get some more uh, action over there on those votes so we can see really what everyone thinks about the names that we are uh, kind of coming up with every week. Uh, so with that being said, uh, those links are in the description. Uh, if you need uh, some help getting started with a portfolio of your own, uh, I would love to talk to you in a, in a private chat or anything about uh, getting going. So feel free to reach out for that as well. And uh, we do have some links in the description for, you know, individual offers from uh, Weeble, from crypto.com, uh, from E-Trade. So there's our, a couple different options there as well. 
Um, now, going forward, uh, I did mention that there was some news out of the White House as to what we were seeing on this student loan forgiveness. And, uh, you know, we talked about uh, that June 30th Supreme Court decision, which struck down uh, Joe Biden's uh, student loan forgiveness program. But they announced on Friday that they that they are going to cancel around thirty nine billion dollars of debt for eight hundred and four thousand student loan borrowers. Uh, so, uh, again, they're looking to uh, get rid of some of this debt. It looks like a, a lot of them, they are saying that they were entered into under kind of false pretenses or we really didn't know what we were getting into. There's, uh, you know, predatory lending, things like that, that they are trying to forgive all of these uh, these loans. Uh, so they say that they are going to be fixing past administrative failures. Uh, they are ensuring everyone gets the forgiveness they deserve, uh, just as we have done for public servants, uh, students who are cheated by their colleges and borrowers with uh, permanent disabilities, including veterans. So there's a, a lot of different things here to kind of unpack, but uh, it looks like the the long and short of it is about $39 billion of uh, student loans are going to be automatically taken care of in the next coming weeks. Um you know, it's kind of tough here. I think on one side, uh, some people probably enter into some of these loans at 17, 18 years old. They don't really necessarily understand what uh, they're getting into or how long it's going to take to pay back or their uh, the job that they're going to get or the, the you know, major that they're going to, um, you know, really take part in isn't really the, the best way to re- be able to repay these loans, right? Some of them, uh, I'm not saying they're not needed, but they might not be making as much money as some other professions that are out there. Uh, I'm definitely uh, on the fence about this one. I certainly see that there are a lot of ways to get great certificates in IT or whatever field you want to go into and uh, you know, really go about having a career based off of those certificates and the things you can, are able to learn online now uh, without going to a four-year school is incredible. And I don't know that college is the right path for everyone. But uh, on the same token, if it's uh, you know medical or legal or anything else where you have to have a degree to enter into that field, it certainly makes sense to go that route. Uh, it just really depends on a student's end goals. But uh, I definitely think that a lot of people have entered into a lot of these, these programs, under these loan programs, and then really don't know the, uh, the ramifications of what they just signed up to. You know, the, the cost of... Uh, college or universities has gone through the roof, really offsetting the amount of money that people are going to uh, be able to really pay back with some of the the jobs that they really take on. So you really got to weigh those uh, those benefits before. And I just don't know that, you know, a lot of these 18 year olds are really doing that or they really have the education throughout, uh, you know, uh, high school, really to to have this knowledge as to how long this is going to take. And really what a four or seven, 10% interest rate really means and how long that is going to hurt them going forward. So on some sides, I, I agree with uh, the fact that, uh, you know, school is just getting to be an exorbitant amount of money that uh, really needs to be looked at whether or not people even need these degrees or if there's other areas for people to find a great employment by certifications or apprenticeships or whatever else, other measures that they can uh, take to to go into these different uh, these different career paths. So tough decision. Uh, ultimately, I don't know that uh, some of them make sense to pay off. Uh, if people have really been taken advantage of by the situ by the uh, the the lenders, uh, man, it's uh, it's it's a tough call. But uh, I guess we're going to be paying for about thirty nine billion dollars of uh, someone's mistakes. So uh, with that being said, I did want to roll into some other stuff here. We've got uh, uh, some other stocks that have really been taken off. Uh, well, one is DraftKings, right? We definitely have seen some some revitalization in DraftKings. I don't really see so much news that is uh, really running this one up. But uh, man, this one has, uh, has really shot up above $30 now. Let's take a look here at what the, uh, the six-month chart might have been. And... Uh, Actually, I don't even have a six month. We'll go year to date. But this one started the year in the $11 range. So we've almost tripled on this one. Also, another quiet winner uh, out there with really a, not a lot of uh, um, news out there. I know that they were talking about being profitable sooner. Uh, a lot of different things here, but um, nothing really that is earth shaking that uh, really shows you that this one is out of the woods yet. The, the EPS is still negative. 
the analyst research is pretty much flat. I don't think that they've been able to keep up with the movement of the stock. Ultimately, um, I'm just happy to see this one getting out of that $11 range. Uh, it's definitely nice to see some of your stocks that we've been investing in kind of turn around. We saw that with SoFi. Uh, SoFi was you know down under six five dollars at some point, and I think I said, "Hey, anything under six, I would look to buy this one." Ultimately, it's gotten back above nine dollars. I'm sure this thirty-nine billion dollar uh, student loan forgiveness package is probably going to leave this one going sideways for a little bit, if not down. But uh, some of these student loan forgiveness uh, or moratorium on payments are going to be done soon. And uh, SoFi should benefit from that. But a lot of people are thinking that's already baked in. Uh, Palantir. Uh, Palantir has moved up really nice this uh, this year as well. That is definitely another one that I watch that is more of a small cap. Uh, this one year to date, you know, we were down in that uh, $6 range into the fives in January. We're sitting at $16 now. So another quiet winner. And they did uh, talk about being profitable this year. Sooner than they were anticipating, that one really drove this uh, this up. We've also had a lot of uh, buzz around AI and Palantir and being in a lot of the right place at the right time. So this one, I'm definitely uh, still along for the ride on and um, really hope to see them do great things with uh, this technology that they have uh, developed. So uh, again, some of these small caps have really started to take off. That's, that's kind of my point here. We really want to uh, focus on some of the names that um, haven't quite taken off yet. And uh, some of them that we're going to be looking at in the investing challenge uh, are certainly names that uh, have traded sideways or down, but I think they might have a catalyst going forward. So I guess we can go ahead and get right into uh, what's going on for week 30. And um, well, first up, I wanted to look at uh, two names that I'm going to group into into one right now because they're, they're not similar, but uh, they are going to have a similar catalyst that could make them both move higher. Now that is that NASDAQ rebalancing. We were talking about the fact that the the top uh, uh, five or seven names are really getting to be too overweight in the NASDAQ portfolio. I believe that number is above 48% right now. And they want to rebalance to get uh, these main stocks, you know, Apple, uh, Amazon, uh, NVIDIA into a smaller portion of the uh, the weight of that market, right? So they make up too much. The other ones don't make up enough. They want to rebalance to get uh, a little bit more diversity in this uh, this NASDAQ index. So there's some different names that should benefit uh, from this, uh, this movement higher. Um, there's a couple that are on here that uh, I really thought about. I really wanted to add Intuitive Surgical for a long time. Uh, I really haven't looked at booking holdings, but um, both of those really don't make sense to me at this point in time with how much they've already grown and really the kind of the, the forecast, the PEs, uh, a lot of different things. I mean, Booking Holdings has a little bit of upside, but man, that is an expensive stock. Uh, not, not that that's a, a huge deal as far as how much that share price is, but man, it's a, what is it? A 20, let me, let me get back up to uh, BKNG. Let's take a look here at Booking Holdings. They uh, they own and operate a bunch of different uh, the travel sites. Let's take a look at which ones they actually have here. They've got uh, Booking.com. They've got Priceline, Agoda, RentalCars.com, Kayak, and Open Table. Those are their six main businesses. They are currently trading at $2,866. Um, again, the price doesn't really matter. You multiply that by your share count. The market cap is sitting at 105 billion. Uh, reminder: Nvidia is sitting at 1.1 trillion. So Nvidia is a much, much larger company, ten times larger. But uh, at the same time, Booking Holdings is trading at uh, 2860, and Nvidia is what 460. So uh, the the share price doesn't really matter. Uh, the the PE is going to be one thing that I'm definitely looking at, and that PE on Booking is 27.7. But um, as far as a travel website, I, I think that is probably getting a, a bit high. And there's only 0.49% of upside. So I've done all this homework uh, to look through these names. So I would definitely appreciate you getting over there and voting on one of the five that I did come up with. And uh, two of them that I... Long, long story to get to the two that I'm actually going to talk about. 
First one up, Starbucks, right? They are rebalancing this one higher in the NASDAQ to give it uh, more weight in that index. Uh, so we're currently sitting at 101. They've had some China problems, the lockdowns that were over there. Uh, that is one of their main markets is in China. And ultimately, they didn't have a ton of growth over there in the past couple of years from a lot of these lockdowns. So uh, the fact that lockdowns are ending, NASDAQ rebalance uh, should bump up the weight of uh, SBUX in the NASDAQ 100, should have more money rolling into Starbucks whenever anyone buys into the NASDAQ. So I'm thinking that this one could see an upside from some of this news. We've got uh, an average price target of 116.89, and we're sitting at 101.60. So about 15%. Uh, we've certainly got uh, some some buy ratings in that kind of price point. Couple hold ratings in that low to mid 100, uh, 102 to 110. We've got some hold ratings about buys at the 117 and 125. So I'm seeing a little bit of upside. I'm seeing some a decent dividend here to start with. Uh, what's a dividend percentage? Uh, about 2%. PE is probably right where it sits, kind of on that historic average at about a 32.9. It does trade a little bit higher. But uh, I do see some reasons to buy Starbucks here with some of the catalysts that we have Excuse me, on, uh, on Starbucks going forward. So that is number one. Uh, number two. Uh, was also going to be a benefactor of this NASDAQ rebalance. And that name is Gilead Sciences. So again, uh, another fairly valued company uh, in that healthcare pharmaceuticals area, uh, PE sitting at a 17. We've got to push in 4% of dividend, 3.9% on that dividend. We've got um, a good bit of upside here on Gilead as well wanted to take a look. That's about 19.3% of upside on Gilead Sciences. And uh, were we looking at this one this time last year? No, we were looking at Abbott this time last year. The, the one that we did buy this time last year was SoFi. And I just see that that one's in too much of a holding pattern to go ahead and uh, really look to add to right now. So I'm holding off on SoFi. If it comes back down or something else happens with student loans that uh, is going to be in our favor, I might look to add that one. But uh Gilead, I think the the healthcare, the pharmaceuticals, I still think that is one that makes sense for a lot of different reasons. The PEs are manageable, right? I can I can get my head around a seventeen times PE with that four percent dividend, with a good amount of upside. Uh, they've got a lot of different drugs that uh, that are working well for them. We've got uh, different drugs in HIV, uh, hepatitis, and cancer treatments. Uh, they offer products in HIV, oncology, liver disease, vecularity, I'm uh, probably saying that wrong, and others. Uh, under HIV, it offers Bictarvi, Complera, Eviplera, Genvoya. Oh, man, I'm, I'm going to botch all these. Odefsi. Oh, man, I'm, I'm just throwing letters in the wind here. And Truvada. All right, so we've got uh, Remdesivir. They were treating uh, COVID-19 with that one. Uh, so a lot of different things that they are offering. Uh, a lot of different reasons that I like the healthcare space right here. Solid dividends, decent uh, PE numbers, and uh, one that uh, is also going to benefit from this NASDAQ rebalance. So I do like Gilead Sciences here. More upside and more dividend than Starbucks. But um, that's really going to be for you guys to figure out over there on Let It Grow Investing as to which one we want to look to buy. So those are the first two. Number three is going to be... CrowdStrike. I haven't talked about this one in a while. And uh, I just saw a Motley Fool article that was saying uh, CrowdStrike could be uh, one of three great stocks to buy right now. Um, another one made the list this week too. And then I think they said Google, which I, I'm still a, a firm believer in the fact that Google should be trading a little bit higher here. But uh, CrowdStrike earnings have been doing uh, really well. Um, the, the whole cybersecurity defense has uh, really had a, a strong need here. And this one has been growing very rapidly. And uh, I, I think that this one has a lot more uh, room to grow here. So let me go ahead and pull up this uh, this Reuters report so I can get some of these earnings in, in play here for us. This one is rated a buy. We've got uh, around 18% of upside. The earnings per share is a, a nice trajectory higher. 
Uh, we've got, um, man, this is massive on annual revenue. For 2024, we're looking at being 35% higher. And at the end of 25, 73.8% higher on annual revenue. So one that is growing uh, leaps and bounds beyond others in this list. And uh, I really like this uh, this industry. I don't know that a lot of people have really... I, I think some people have less, left this one behind. And uh, we've really got a lot of room to go higher. And some of the other tech names have already, already run. I, I still think that this one has a lot of potential going forward. And I'm saying that we are sitting at 149 right now. We had a low of $92 in January, but we were also at 205 last August. Uh, so we, we kind of are in that middle of that 52-week range where a lot of the other tech names are at the, the high end of that. Uh, so 18.5% of upside. Average price target sitting at 177 uh, I think it's in a great spot. Um as far as the uh, the company's actual health is concerned, uh, great spot as far as uh, uh, entry point here for CrowdStrike, and one that I can uh, see growing through a lot of these earnings numbers, a lot of the projections that are out there, and I really think it is going to be a strong contender for growth going forward. Uh, so that is number three, CrowdStrike. Number four, uh, another one that. Uh, I came across an article on was Taiwan Semiconductor. Uh, so they are making a lot of the chips that uh, are going to power AI, right? Uh, NVIDIA designs them. Uh, Taiwan Semi makes them. They put them into all different types of things around the world. Uh, you know, chipsets for phones and computers and whatever else they're putting these chips in. Uh, they're making the three nan nanometer uh, chips right now uh, coming in from uh, the sevens and then the fives. Now they're making the three. The twos are projected to be released in 2025. But uh, we haven't really seen all the earnings from the three NM chips uh, that were released last fall. So we're still uh, in a build out phase of really having that technology hit the market. They are smaller, uh, more energy efficient, and uh, the two NM chips are going to be even more so. I think they're uh, I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but it's 15% smaller and 30% more efficient or vice versa, uh, something like that. But um, yeah, I, I'm still thinking that these have not been fully priced in. We are still in a a lot of demand for these chipsets. And this is still going to be a place where I think we're going to have a good amount of growth. The PE is sitting at a 2.6. Very cheap. Uh, we've got the dividend yield of 1.7%. We've got, uh, what kind of price targets do we have on this one? There is no Reuters report on this. I can pull up uh, the, I'll just take a look here on E-Trade and see what they say as far as price upside. And that's around 18% on Taiwan Semi as well. So we are pretty much right across the board between uh, 15 to 19% upside on these names so far for this week. But uh, one that I think is going to be beneficial going forward. Uh, Taiwan Semi, TSM. Now, number five, uh, I did want to add a bank stock. Uh, I looked at a couple and um, man, some of them have not reported yet. A lot of them are going to be reporting this week. I was looking at Goldman. I really thought Goldman might make sense as we get into more lending, more IPOs, uh, all those different things. Uh, the, the earnings is projected to be lower this year, but I think we're going to find that we're going to be trending toward the higher end based off of what the other banks have already turned in their, their numbers for. But man, that's, that's a tough gamble um, to go ahead and put that one out there without that news. So maybe we look at that in a couple of weeks here. But uh, the, the one that I am going to look at uh, is actually going to be Citibank. And man, City, I've, I've had a position in city for quite some time. Uh, it's kind of traded sideways, right? Um, well, may, maybe not so during uh, 2020. We we hit a high of $81 in uh, the beginning of 2020, and then we dropped down to $37.50. And now we are sitting, where are we sitting right now at $45.80. So this one has had some management problems. They've, they've had some issues where they had to kind of get their, get their act together. 
Uh, I think some of that is getting solved. Uh, this one has traded down on some, some of that news. Uh, over the past six months, though, we have been in between $40 and $54. We're sitting at, uh, like I said, $45, uh, $80. And there's a, there's a good amount of upside on this one. We've also got a 4.2% uh, dividend yield. We've got about 25% of uh, price target upside. Uh, they should be turning in some better numbers here going forward. Uh, we've got annual revenue increasing about 5% by the end of 23 and uh, another 5% by the end of 24 on that, uh, that average annual revenue forecast. Price target uh, on Reuters is only about 17% higher. So chip ranks has this one uh, a good bit higher than what Reuters does. Um, earnings per share, similar to Goldman, they are declining for 22, fairly stable for 23. And uh, hopefully we can start to see a rebound off of some of these numbers and actually uh, move to that upside going forward. Um, so again, this this is kind of tough, right? They they've certainly are paying a decent dividend. It's one that I think uh, can continue to do well. I really wanted to add a banking name. Uh, some of them are just haven't reported yet. Uh, so I'm looking at this one. JP Morgan had some reasons for me to think that this one was getting a little bit too far ahead of itself. Uh, there's a little bit more upside on Citibank. Uh, I think JP Morgan might be a premium operator to Citibank, but I was willing to take the risk on more upside and more dividend with uh, you know a little bit more room for growth as far as turning the business around. So that's the five I got for you guys. Please get over there to Let It Grow Investing on Facebook and get your vote in for one of these five names. we got Starbucks, SBUX, Gilead Sciences, which is G-I-L-D, CrowdStrike, CRWD, Taiwan Semiconductor, TSM, and Citigroup, which is the ticker C. So uh, with that being said, that's all the time I've got for you guys today. Please get over there, get your votes in. Uh, let me know what you think. If you got any stocks that you want to see covered on the next episode, uh, let me know in the comments uh, over there on uh, uh, Let It Grow Investing or through Spotify, and I will try to get those worked into the next episode. But uh, yeah, with that being said, that's uh, all the time I got for you guys, and I will see you next time. Take care.